Well, welcome to the uh, coronavirus podcast series here at Grace Church. Because of people needing to shelter in place and stay at home and not transmit any uh, bad viruses to each other, we're going to be doing a lot of our teachings and conversations here over these podcasts. And we hope Grace Church and maybe beyond would enjoy them and be blessed by them and grow because of them. I, of course, am Father Jonathan, the rector here at Grace, and I am so pleased that you are joining um, me today. And today I have in the podcast studio uh, Father Daniel Pinnell. Daniel, welcome. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, um, before we get into our topic today, which is, of course, fasting, um, tell me, if you would, just beginning, what is your experience or... I would say enjoyment, but that probably is the wrong word, but your experience with fasting. Well, it's somewhat limited, I will say. I have diabetes, so I try to limit okay. the kind of fastings that I do. So, for example, during our fasting right now on Wednesdays, I try to do a 24-hour fast. Um, that is like one meal a day, basically. Um but already, yeah. I mean, just if I can interrupt, but already yeah. I noticed a distinction. Like you in your head have already limited fasting to food. I mean, by the mentioning of diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, diabetes has nothing to do with social media if you were fasting that. Oh, yes. No, and there's different t- types of fasting. Okay, so have you fasted food. other things besides food? That's a good question. <laughs> it may be something I should think about, yes. Okay, well, good. Well, that actually transitions very nicely into... Uh, I want us to start our conversation today about fasting with an overview of fasting. So tell me the different kinds of fasting, both in scripture or ways in which um, we as followers of Christ can experience fasting. So just to, I I want to mention first that all of this, you know, I just read a chapter from the Celebration of Discipline uh, from uh, Foster, and a lot of what I'm mentioning here comes from that. From his book. From his book. From Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. Which is one of my favorite books. Very good book. So you would commend people who love Jesus to read this book? Oh, definitely. Okay, good. Definitely. Excellent. Yes. So there are different, you know, types of fasting that we can find in Scripture. The first one is a partial fast. And that is basically what I'm trying to engage in. So maybe you can have water, liquids, fruits, it's okay. And you can um, have maybe one meal a day. Where's the partial fast found in Scripture? Ooh. I don't know if I have like the the biblical passages um, uh, per se. Um, can you think of an example of one? I can, right off the top of my head. Yeah. What? Um, well, there's the fast, for example, of the Daniel fast. That's right, Daniel. And where he says that he is, you know, abstaining from certain kinds of foods and not putting any, not anointing his head and, and things like that. What's the biblical story there? Let's, let's, let's tell the folks um, a little bit about that Bible story because I think it's relevant to understanding fasting. I think, so part of the... If I can remember correctly, part of the story is that Daniel received a, a revelation, revelation from God or a dream from God that he couldn't understand. So he says that he had to humble himself before God fast. But even before that, if I can interrupt, yeah, uh, Daniel is actually living in, a, in the land of exile. He and his yes. brothers, fellow Hebrews, uh, have been captured by the, uh, I believe it's the Babylonians, right. have been spirited away and are living in exile 
Uh, and the king of Babylon is attempting to have them become more Babylonian by eating Babylonian foods, exactly. uh, accepting Babylonian cultures, the culture, and uh, Daniel and his friends decide they don't want to do that. They right. want to separate themselves, and God get, does give him this dream. Uh, and in the dream, what happens? You know what? I don't remember exactly the dream. <laughs> now, now it's like me telling the story. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so in this dream, basically what God tells him is that he should uh, abstain from uh, the richest parts of the Babylonian diet. That is the meat uh, and the cheeses, the things that would really make him sort of uh, not just gain weight, but uh, make him look like he's thriving necessarily in that society. Instead, he's mm. supposed to just eat vegetables. Uh things that will keep him healthy and make him succeed, but not necessarily fatten him up, if you will. Um, so is that the biblical basis for a vegan diet? Uh, no. Uh, but he, he does it, and the guard, or his sort of instructor over him and his friends, gets really concerned because all the other captives are eating what they're supposed to be eating, what they've been given. Mm -hmm. Daniel and his friends refuse. Daniel says to his teacher slash captor, uh, hey, look, let us do it this way. If it doesn't work, uh, we'll do it. We'll eat what you want, but we think our way will work. Uh, let us fast and obey our God the way we think we should, and let's see what happens. And, of course, it does work. It does work. Yeah, now I remember. It, it works great. Uh, yeah. And so that's that kind of partial fast where you can segment uh, something, one thing out of your life. So that's why people, maybe for Lent, give up sugar or sweets, or caffeine, or what, chocolate? What are the things? I mean, there's a million things, right? Mostly chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right, mostly chocolate. Yeah. So, but that's sort of that Daniel fast. I'm going to give up this one thing, and when I give up this one thing, then mm -hmm. uh, I will be able to honor God and experience that deprivation. And that's kind of part and parcel of fasting, right? Yes. I mean, fasting, by definition, means to... Deprive yourself of something that abstain, otherwise... Yeah. Abstain, good, I mm -hmm. like that. That's a different word than deprivation, perhaps. Uh, abstain from something that you otherwise would have normally without any thought or conscience. Yes, and I, and I, and I want to clarify that word abstain because fasting is not necessarily about deprivation. Excellent. Say more about that, would you? So fasting is more about feasting, says uh, Foster. And I thought that was really interesting in that part of the book. Because when you fast, you are feasting, or you should be feasting on the Word of God, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about depriving yourself, nice. but as, as, as a way to, to feast better on the Word of God. And God Himself. And God Himself. That's obviously. awesome. Yes, and so that's why Jesus says, you know, when you fast, don't have like this sorry face, mm. you know, make it obvious to everybody that you're fasting. Because... You're not in a depriving state. You're in a state that you are rejoicing in the feasting with God. Love it. And that should be the, the focus of the fasting. That's and brilliant. I thought that was, that was really... That's a brilliant take. And yeah. I think that's something that we easily miss when we think about our fasting because we want to say, oh, I'm not letting myself eat these things. Woe is me. And that's not the point. That's not the point at if all. If you're doing that, actually, you're doing it wrong. Yes. Is yes. that correct? Oh, that's correct. I mean, and we can talk about the motivation of fasting, actually. Well, let's get there in a second. Yes. Let's, we're still just talking about the kinds of fasting. Oh, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's stick with that. So first we have this partial fast. What are some other kinds of fasting? So there's a partial fast, and then we have the full fast or 
uh, yeah, I don't know how else you would call it, a Good full fast, fast, where you can you can have no meals at all for 24 hours. Um, and depending on the kind of fast, you can still have water, but there are some people who, and you can find examples of the Bible, of individuals who fasted from both food and water. For 24 hours. For 20, for actually three days. We can see Paul, for example, after mm. he met Christ in, you know, the, the road to Damascus, he, we're told that he fasted from food and water for three days. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds like it's very thirsty. That's, that's hard. Yes. That's crazy. So when would you recommend doing the, the full fast? Um, never. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly at some point you need to. No, clearly at some point I mean, you need to. What, what, what would I draw think... somebody into that? What drew Paul into that? I wonder if Paul was just shocked by the mm. whole experience. But and it's such a big deal. It's, it needs yeah. to be a revelatory, a revelation to do that kind of full fast where you don't eat or drink. Is that would you say? Yes. Yeah, it needs to be a really big deal. It, 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 yeah, and, and Faxter actually mentions that you should do it only under direct guidance of God. Like full, if, the full fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Like, don't go into it very lightly. But, right. But if you feel God is calling you to do that, then, yeah. So but that's only part of after you, you have some some couple of years, it says, of experience of fasting. Okay, so after you become more familiar with fasting, how to uh, really... Not take it to the next level. That sounds like spiritual achievement. But really, right. how to you, you're already familiar with how you and your spirit handle fasting. Then the full fast makes more sense. Exactly. Okay. So uh, we have the partial fast. We have the full fast. What else? Anything else? I think the other we can mention is the supernatural fast. Same. And that's where Moses, like yeah, Moses for example, fasted for forty days and forty nights. So did Jesus in the desert, and we. Call it supernatural because it will be impossible for us to do that without any divine intervention. I mean, the body can only last for three days without water. Right. So, yeah, basically that's why we call it supernatural. Supernatural. I like it. What's the motivation on all three? You've already begun to hit on it. Like, yeah. Expand on that for me. So, Pastor mentions that the main motivation is to be God-centered, to seek God's face. Because to use, and this is his phrase, good things for our ends, for selfish way, is always a sign, a, a sign of false religion. So basically, you know, you're, you're fasting so you can be in communion with God. So it, it needs to be centered in God. It needs to be centered in God's glory and not as a way to make God wants to do what we want him to do. I got basically. you. So we're not fasting to make move God's hand in our favor. Like, hey, God, you saw I gave up that yes, that exactly. food and you better do what I need now. Yes. Okay. So exactly. that's, that would be definitely unholy and easy to see in the example of like the Pharisees who were definitely trying to earn people's approval and maybe God's approval. Yeah, and something interesting that I read is that the Pharisees will fast on Tuesday and Thursdays because those were the market where the markets were more busy so more people will see them fasting. So you and I would fast on Sunday... So that everyone can know at work how holy we are. I don't. I don't think we should fast. <laughs> well, I mean, and isn't that interesting? I mean, think about this though, Daniel. I mean, the whole point of the Eucharist is this holy feast, this holy celebration of a meal that we come into. Right. So we specifically cannot fast on Sundays. Right. Because we're not supposed to because of the resurrection. Exactly. So fasting on Sundays for Christians is antithetical to what it's against. 
what the uh, the resurrection teaches us. Oh yes, for me that would be a sin. <laughs> a sin. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Uh, but so uh, anyway, so uh, the Pharisees you're saying fasted on days that they could be most observed, most and then observed. then they're clearly just doing it for themselves, for themselves and their community, but not for God, and definitely not for their spiritual life. Exactly. Okay, good. What are some other uh, either good or bad motivations for fasting? So I think that's the main motivation that Foster says that we should be focused on. And once we have that main motivation, like the, the that primary motivation, we can move on to other benefits or reasons to have a, a okay. fast. So that again, just to reiterate, the primary yes. motivation for fasting is being God centered. Being God centered. Yeah. Okay. The Putting God, God. Be- before ourselves. Exactly. It's interesting to me because fasting is one of those things that really forces us into a place uh, where we need to recognize that we've given up something on purpose because God is better than fill in the blank, whatever exactly. the, the thing we're fasting is. Um, obviously, we think about food most commonly today. Uh, we're recording this um, is a Wednesday, so this is a fasting day for us because we're specifically trying to hear the vision uh, for Grace Church. And so we've given up food today right. so that we can make sure we um, are listening intently to the Lord. Right? Right. Yeah. We, and, that's, and, yeah. and that's a very important point. We're doing the fast not to seek God's favor so much as like, oh, God is going to bless our vision if we do this fast. But we're seeking God's face in this. And I love it. Yeah. That's a very, very significant distinction. So... Talk some more about the the benefits, the positives, the negatives of fasting. Maybe if you want to say anything about fasting uh, throughout the years, how the church is, has done it. I'm curious if you have anything on that. That might be interesting, though it's just mostly historical. Yeah, so two things. I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the, the name of this document. Is it the, Did- the Didache? Didache. Okay. I was going to say Didache, but nope. you know, Didache. that's how it reads in Spanish. I mean, that's just, you know, just Did- other language stuff, right? In Spanish, it- how would you say it? Didache. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So, but yeah, in English, it's uh, the, the Didache. The Didache. So, this is like a first century account, one of the earliest accounts, you know, besides the Bible, of course, that we have from first century practice. And they recommend fastings on Wednesdays and Fridays. Because? I'm not sure. Friday makes sense to me because that's the day traditionally that the crucifixion took place on a Friday. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. But Wednesday, I'm not sure why. Hump day? Hump what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the middle of the week. They call that Wednesday the hump day. I'm just just being silly. Uh, (laughs) I love that you didn't get it, though. That's fantastic, actually. Uh, okay, so Wednesdays, the Didache, so early Christians fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. Yes, they fasted okay. during Lent, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, especially the catechumens who were preparing for baptism. Okay, what's a catechumen? Uh, those who are basically preparing, like receiving instructions for um, as new Christians to prepare for baptism. So they weren't Christians yet? Yes. But they were well, kind of, yeah, they, they were may believers. have been, yeah, they were believers, but they yeah. hadn't been baptized into the family of God yet. Exactly. They were so, not in full communion. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, good. Yeah. So how did it evolve over the years then? Yeah, I don't, well, the thing is, in, in medieval times, it, okay. it, 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 it kind of devolved, I would say. It was more like this 
sign of heroism. Like you, you go and fast mm. and, and basically not take care of your body. So there, there were a lot of uh, abuses Excellent. Uh, during the Middle Ages where I think um, a lot of people can see fast even nowadays as a negative thing. Right. No, that, that's exactly where I want to go. Okay, so we see yeah. in the first century it, it being part of a maybe a piety or a spiritual life right. element to, to help foster your relationship with the Lord. Uh, Middle Ages, it becomes uh, this thing about being a hero and therefore quite negative. The fasting because, Olympics. Yeah, the fasting Olympics, which is really weird yes. and not healthy. Where is fasting in your opinion today? Fasting, in my opinion today, is, is kind of like a fad to be a a, like a health you know in the healthy living you know you see a lot of talk about fasting so it's been very secularized i see um so you do intermittent fasting for example right. for okay. your health and your gut health and, and, and all of that stuff so we see okay. fasting sort of coming out of this negative viewpoint to you know being accepted as a healthy thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how about for christians for christians you know that's the part that worries me because um, ever since I, I joined the Episcopal Church in 2018, to be honest, I have rarely heard about fasting. Okay. Until you came to Grace. Until I, yeah, until I came to Grace. And we seem to be crazy about it. That's why I got excited when you mentioned to me that you, you guys fast. And I was like, yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, honestly, it's not very, like I haven't heard being spoken of. I know the presiding bishop is asking the church on Wednesday to fast. Oh, really? Was, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was. Uh, okay. Don't well, quote me on that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but... So, but for Christians, I would say, by and large, it's kind of fallen out of favor. It's not something that... I and mean, we sort of talk about it, we teach it, but we don't really... Uh, I think in the broader sense of the church, it might be something that we relatively mention when we really need to hear from God. But yes. other than that, it's sort of like this... Uh, um, crowbar behind glass, break in case of emergency, fire extinguisher. Oh man, you need something serious. Probably you should, with prayer and fasting, figure that out. And, and why do you think that is? Oh, um, man, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think in part because uh, as uh, as Protestants, we have this. We we feel like we have this access to God, and that He wants to be with us, and mm. He wants to talk to mm. us. So we don't need to fast. To we don't need to work hard to hear from Him. We think. Um, and in fact, fasting isn't about God, it's about us. And so I think we miss the, the spiritual value of fasting. Yes. Um, we miss the feasting aspect that you talked about from Foster's book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't think about it as feasting. We think about it as deprivation. And culturally, uh, we are not about deprivation. We're about comfort. As your sermon from last week really pointed out, our life, <laughs> uh, media, everything's built about comfort. Yeah. And so fasting is countercultural, it's counterintuitive. And so it seems sort of one of those uh, antiquated Christian ideas that mm-hmm. we probably should just move beyond. We're better than that now, aren't we? Is we, I think, what we think. Yes. And in fact, the question is, are we better than feasting on God? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. No, definitely. And it's interesting. Pastor actually talks a little bit about that in his book, in, in, in that chapter of fasting. And he talks how we, you know, we can still talk about giving money as part of our Christian discipleship. 
Okay. But not as much as that of fasting, even though the Bible has as many or if not more examples of fasting than it does about giving money to the Lord. Interesting. Lord. So you're saying like, so I know for us at Grace in October, we do stewardship month. That yes. is what does it mean to be a steward. We probably should have a fasting month, which we could call Lent. We could call Lent and I mean, Advent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and Advent, yeah, certainly not. I mean, who's fasting in December? <clears throat> not the 25th, of course, but... I mean, the rest of the month. I mean, come on, leading up to the Christmas day, everyone's eating cookies. There's no fasting. <laughs> Am I right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> sadly true. <yes. laughs> well, I mean, so, but you're right. So Advent and Lent uh, are two seasons that we should be thinking about fasting yes. so that we can be feasting on God. And it's, it's challenging more in Advent, but certainly in... Um, yes. In the Lenten season, it makes sense mm-hmm. for us. Absolutely. And so for churches who don't follow the liturgical calendar like we do, the seasonal calendar of Christian, of Christian calendars, uh, they might miss this whole opportunity to have uh, a fast in their lives, right? Oh, absolutely. And so we as Episcopalians can look down on them and feel better than them. That's the Christian way. <laughs> of course. Uh, that would be bad, right? <laughs> okay, so... We know the positives. We know some of the challenges today. Um, as you have experienced fasting, even this current time, you said you came to Grace in January. Um, yes. You were very excited to do it. How's it been for you? It's been great. It's been, yeah. Um, do you find so, yourself feasting on Wednesdays? Uh, yes, actually. You know, and I use it as an opportunity for prayer, mm. and, it, and it's, been, it's been really great. There's been some points that I actually felt good which is amen which is really it's beautiful yeah like not only spiritually but also physically right 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 right, right. that's god answering his prayer isn't it yeah and except for last wednesday my goodness i i last wednesday was horrible it was hard yeah and i think that's my diabetes (laughs) screaming at me like what are you doing fool But but it's so far it's been great and i and i stepped away from that practice a lot in the past maybe five years i will say okay um i mean i still did it but it was very rare okay is um, this your most re- like sort of regular fasting experience second perhaps okay yeah there was a period that i was fasting twice a week Cool. how long uh for maybe six months because because you know I think I read it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and someone said, it's a good idea, so you just did it. Yeah, like Wednesday and Fridays. Okay. Ago. Oh, <laughs> just like the ancient church. Yes. I will say for my wife and I, uh, since we've been doing this fast at Grace on Wednesdays, uh, we have felt on Wednesdays particularly um, engaged and close to the Lord on those days. And it's made us have this conversation of maybe we should fast year round because why would we want to have yeah why would we want to diminish this experience that we're having in any way mm-hmm. um i'll also say that for she and i as we've been specifically praying for god to reveal his vision for grace we feel like we're hearing stuff and it's been a lot of fun it's really led to some really cool conversations and scary a little bit yeah that's for me at least like i've been here like i which i hope is coming from god of course yeah. but i've been hearing some stuff some big stuff scaring me <laughs> okay i like that i like in a good way you know? right 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 yeah um well so you didn't ask but i'll just jump in my longest experience with fasting yes uh was back in 2008 uh i felt at that point in my life that i had uh was was being called to a 40-day fast uh 
Oof. to to do it similar to what Jesus did. Now, how Jesus did it was 40 days in a row. What I chose to do uh, in 08 was I would do um, not eat for six days, and then on Sundays I would eat, mm-hmm. and then so I and I so I, I did that for six straight weeks. And would you eat like on Sunday the, your three meals or how did that? So work? here's what I can tell you. So the very first Sunday that I got to eat, um, I went crazy and ate like mad because I thought, oh, this is it. I got to go nuts. And I kind of had this sense of like stocking up for the rest of the week. Like I need to eat up so I can eat whatever I want. Which Buster warns against. Correct. Well, and here's what I discovered was one, I got sick on Monday really sick because my body was suddenly flooded with food that it hadn't had in six days and my body said this is a bad idea right and made me very sick but i also recognized that i'm uh i was misunderstanding the whole purpose of fasting the mm-hmm. the purpose of fasting isn't the deprivation it's the feasting on god right and so as my six weeks went on what i discovered was on sundays when i could eat i ate far less not because i wasn't still hungry i was hungry but I found like I just didn't want to come out of the fasting. I wanted to stay in that fasting mode. And so I just would eat on Sundays like a yogurt and maybe some granola. And then I would have a meal, a, a, a genuine meal with my family for dinner that night. I was going to say just that. like I would not eat much. Um, yeah. I, I did not. I mean, I knew I could eat that day. And I actually found myself interestingly, I found myself really rejoicing in the resurrection because I, I thought, oh man, I get to eat today because Jesus rose. And that really focused me in on the resurrection in a cool way. Um, interestingly, the Grace was entering into a time of a new chapter at Grace. That's when um, the church had gone through a, uh, a church split and I had chosen to stay. And I found myself uh, instead of being really afraid about what was going to happen at Grace, I found myself really excited about the things God had in store for us. I did not know what those things were going to be, but I had a real sense of his presence mm. and his love of the church. And though I didn't always understand what to do next or where to do it, I never during that fast had any doubt that God was going to lead the way. And that fast really kept me centered. And I would even say protected me from me protected me from my own doubt, my own fears, my own uh, wanderings of mind yeah. because I was constantly hungry uh, and I realized I was hungry because uh, I loved God more than food mm-hmm. and I constantly was dependent on him for mm-hmm. those 40 days and that was very helpful. The side thing that I realized that, that really shocked me was that... I structure much of my life around meals. I structure my appointments around meals. Um, In between meals, I'm thinking about the next meal. And when I would have these six days every week where I had no meals, Mm -hmm. I suddenly found myself having a lot more free time and a lot of freedom in thought. Interesting. I suddenly didn't have to think about when I was eating next or what we were going to plan for dinner or what I was going to do at dinner or who I was eating with or where I was eating. I didn't have to think about any of that. I was able just to think about God and his people and me and stuff that he wanted to think about. So Foster mentions that at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about how we are 
being constantly reminded that we need three meals right. and perhaps some snacking in between that's those right. meals. That's right. But that's not all. That was not always the case. That that is not sure. It wasn't always the case. But for me, I found that I was actually addicted to that system. Yeah. So we become addicted right. to the system. We normalize it to that's the point right. that. We feel like that's that's not that's only how it should be do, but right? that's the healthiest way to right. do it. Well, even beyond just health, I found myself just recognizing that there was a freedom from being stuck in that rigorous. I mean, eating three times a day even is rigorous. You have to plan quite a bit. Yes. And when I didn't have to plan anymore, I found myself being really freed and opened to some other possibilities in my life. Was it difficult? Yes, it was yeah. really hard, um, particularly at celebratory moments. So my mm-hmm. daughter, Eliana, her birthday is March 12th, which, of course, is always right in the middle of Lent. And uh, that particular year, uh, when, when my family, when it's your birthday, you get to pick the meal for your birthday. And she chose for, she asked if we could have hamburgers, cheeseburgers from the grill. And I am the, uh, the griller in the family, so I had to prepare said cheeseburgers it it was incredibly difficult. And it didn't fall on a Sunday. Either. No, it did not, did not fall on a Sunday. So I did not get to eat said cheeseburgers. And uh, I actually remember going to bed that night quite angry at God. Because um, I'm originally, when I was grilling them, I was angry at Ellie for picking hamburgers, which of course is nonsense because she's a child and allowed to pick whatever she wants. She didn't make me do the fast. I chose it. Right. Um, but that night when I went to bed, I remember being really mad at God, and then realizing he didn't make me do this either. Mm. The idea was that he's better than that. But it still didn't change my emotions of not getting a hamburger. I felt yeah. mad. That's interesting. That's something that Foster actually talks about. Like we have to, he's, he tells us that we have to be attentive to whatever feelings come up yeah. when we are fasting. Because usually we can quiet those feelings with food. Right. But when we're not eating... Right. And they, they come to the surface. and It very much did for me. Yeah. It was very hard to get rid of those feelings. And even today, I can remember that evening very, very well. I can remember that evening of being angry more than I can remember the, 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 the positive individual moments. Right. Because it just stands out as this, this sort of very frustrating moment. So if that was March 12th, that was at the beginning of your fast. Right. I don't remember. Less. It was a couple of weeks in. Her yeah. birthday usually falls usually like one or two weeks into Lent. So yes, it was very early on. It really was. And um, I remember that the birthday dinner, um, not eating and really wanting to be positive because it was her birthday and not just check out because I wasn't eating. And it really made me confront some of my own addiction issues, particularly with food mm. and meals and my own unhealth about using food as comfort. And I did not like what I saw inside of me in those moments. So it was a really positive experience. Uh, I will say when it was over, uh, one, I was very excited for Easter because I knew that's when it ended. Uh, But I was also a little sad because I liked the discipline that it had created inside of me. Yeah, I bet. So besides your, you know... Your daughter's birthday. What was other really difficult part of that fast? I felt like I missed out on family dinners. Mm. Uh, in my family, we always eat dinner together, and 
particularly as the kids were growing up, that was that was the one meal a day. And so I would sit there and have a glass of water, or perhaps a um, part of my fasting was I choose I chose to have um, uh, fruit juice. So I would do like a, a glass of orange juice, and um, the fruit juice um, it it didn't. It felt like I couldn't engage in the family discussion. I felt different. And so um, as I couldn't engage, it just was hard. It bothered me. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing. Yeah. The, the hamburger one was very, I remember that feeling very much, but the not eating, uh, not being able to enter into the full family meal was challenging. And I think they felt weird too. They felt like, oh, we get to eat and dad doesn't. You know, one year for Lent, my kiddos um, chose for the entire Lent, well, that is, so for 40 days, that is, so uh, Monday through Saturday, they chose to eat only beans and rice every, for every meal. And the reason they chose that is because that's what most of the world eats on a daily basis is Even beans and Sundays? rice. So no, on Sundays they would eat regular food, but okay. every other meal for the entire Lent, they only ate beans and rice. Wow. And... Um, to this day, one of them, I don't remember which one, cannot, does not eat beans or rice because the smell of it um, so influenced her Lent uh, in a way that was difficult that she just, she doesn't want to eat it anymore. She felt like she had too much of it. Yeah. But they really feel like when they go abroad now and they see people eating beans and rice, they get it. They're like, oh, this is what life is like for you and I understand that. And I respect that, um, that they did that. For 40 days, they ate just beans and rice. I think one of them, we had to ask them to stop because they started losing weight. And they were they were, in the, they were in middle school or high school and they, they couldn't lose any more weight. So mm-hmm. we had to say, that's it. You have to eat some meat product because we don't want you to lose any more weight. There's plenty of protein in, in the beans, depending on which ones you make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they needed, they were losing too much weight. So, But one of them did it all 40 days and one of them did like three quarters of it. You know, coming from, from Nicaragua, that's kind of like the basic meal for right, a lot of people. Right. Well, well, in addition to corn, perhaps, corn tortillas. Mm. But I remember meeting a lot of people who only ate beans and rice and, you know, tortillas. And every sure. once in a while, it will be meat. And that was like right. the special occasion, right? the celebration. Yep. And that's how it was for them for that particular Lent. Yeah. And I really respected their commitment to that. Yeah. It was really cool. I think they, I don't know how much they encountered Jesus, but they felt a real uh, affinity and understanding for people of the world. So, well, good. Uh, Thank you, Daniel, for your uh, bringing Foster into this discussion and your discussion on fasting. Um, Any final comments? No, um, I think the only thing I, I would like to add is if you are new to fasting and you're listening to this podcast and you want to get into it more, the only thing I will recommend at the beginning is to start slowly. Smart. Don't go into it like thinking that you can do a Jesus fast or from the get-go. That's smart. Um, like so physical exercise. You want to work into bigger physical exercise, right? You want to do it slow. You want to do it slowly. Smart. Yeah, smart. yeah so... That's good for any spiritual discipline. I think that's good wisdom there. So great. Thanks for that. Uh, and thanks to you for listening to this podcast. We're so happy that you're able to do so, and we hope that it is a blessing to you, whatever you're doing today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Grace Podcast and make sure that uh, you 
uh, get all the new content that we're releasing, particularly these coronavirus podcasts. Uh, and finally, if you have any questions or comments that you would like to send us about fasting, we'd love to hear those comments. My email is uh, jonathan at graceocala.org. And uh, feel free to email me. Daniel, what's your email? Daniel at graceocala.org. Beautiful. So you can, yeah. Angry emails to you, right? <laughs> uh, sure, all the angry emails to me. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts that you'd like to hear, we'd love to hear those. Let's, uh, let's, let me close this time with a uh, word of prayer. Is that okay, Daniel? Of course. How can you say no, right? <laughs> um, Lord, we just thank you for this discussion and for the ways that you are calling us to fast and to give up so that we can feast on you. And I pray, God, that as we feast on you, we would see you, we would know you, we would experience you, and we would be changed into your likeness. Thank you for how much you, you love us and the fact that you've given us this great discipline. Help us to engage it. First, uh, small at first, so that we can be obedient and then hopefully in greater ways. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening. For more exclusive Grace Church content, subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on our website for new postings. God bless.